Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Hey, everyone. It's Scott from Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast and the Zamboni Time Machine. If you want to create your own podcast, the best option to make that happen is Anchor. If you ever heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, and who doesn't like free? There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And what's up, hockey fans, and welcome to episode number 82 of Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast. We're recording here on Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. Uh, we took a week off last week, but uh, you know, I just had a lot going on. Yeah. A lot going on. It was just hard to fit everything in, so I said, well, you know what? You guys deserve a break. <laughs> so I says, darn it, I we, says, I'm going to give it to you. I had to finish off the drumsticks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, and you didn't pass out. That's a good thing. That's a, <laughs> I may have. I just don't remember. <laughs> as long as it was when I was on duty. That's a, <laughs> oh, really? Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. But anyways, we uh, we had a lot to talk about since we did take a week off. A lot going on in the hockey world that we get to tackle here. But first of all, of course, I want to bring in my esteemed panel to my left. My trusty sidekick, the the man who just makes everything go around on this show, the the master behind the scenes, Mr. Dave the Save Warner. How are you, pal? I'm doing great. Did you see the good news? Which one? About the Comets. Oh, yes. October 17th opening? October 17th yep. opening night. And today, today they announced that Captain Ryan Schmelzer, Merrick's Mittens, and Sammy LaBerge have been re-signed. They'll be oh, back awesome. next season. That I missed. That is, I'm so happy to see that. Oh, that's awesome. It yeah. is. It's great news, and I tell you, I can't wait for October already. Because, you know, the way the weather's been up here in upstate New York, it might as well be October. We could be, They could be playing hockey outside right now. Exactly. Basically. This is sad. It's Good June Lord. 21st, and I've got a long sleeve shirt on. Yeah, and I've, I've got the heat on. Yeah, I can tell. Because <laughs> so, it's it's warm in here, isn't it? It is, but yeah. you know what, though? It's okay because it's cold outside. I know. All right. Anyway. <laughs> and coming to us live via satellite from his lair in Annapolis, Maryland, he is the one, the only, Drew Bray. Drew, what's happening? Great to see you guys. Great to see you guys. Lots going on. There is, and I Very love that hat. Time. I absolutely love Thank that hat. Bring it back the old school. You know what? I always thought that they should never have changed the colors of that logo. 
Yeah. That that silver and black NHL logo, I just it's uh, to me it's orange and black. It always should be. It should never have been yep. changed. And that's it. That's all I got to say about that. Same, same with the All Star jerseys. <laughs> oh my God! I know. I know, right? It's like, why are you messing with perfection? What is going on yeah. here? For sure. <laughs> but anyways, like I said, we have got a lot to tackle today. Uh, first and foremost, let's get this out of the way because, of course, it's what's on everybody's mind. The Stanley Cup Finals are going on. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week because, of course, we were off last week. But now, as it stands, after last night, the Colorado Avalanche are leading the Tampa Bay Lightning two games to one. Uh, it looked like at first, those two first those first two games in Colorado, uh, the first game was close. The second game was a blowout. And so everybody's starting to think, oh, jeepers, here we go. This might be a sweep. Well, we got back to Tampa Bay last night, and uh, the defending champs showed why they are indeed the defending champs. So, Drew, what did you see out of that game and in this series in general? Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, and, uh, you know, I know that I texted you during the game, and I'm like, they don't give the Stanley Cup out after two games when you're holding serve. Basically, you're winning at home <laughs> like you're supposed to, right? That's what you're supposed to do. And honestly, I didn't think that that first game deserved to go to overtime. I think Colorado should have won it in regulation. Sure. They were a way better team. However, when you're the champs, you do what you got to do to get there, right? Game two, of course, they got absolutely destroyed. But even the start of game three, Colorado was dominating that game early. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They had the one goal called off because of the offsides call, but generally they were controlling the pace of play. And, you know, one of the things that I also uh, had discussed with you is like that game one, it was so soft. I mean, it was 10 ply. Yeah. Nobody wanted <laughs> no. to get anyone. Right. <laughs> I'm like, and that totally favors Colorado's game. Like if you're not going to lay the lumber into those guys, they are going to have a field day. And I thought that last night's game, I thought Tampa did a little bit better job uh, controlling the physical game. And and that's what they have to do to slow this team down. And I think in the past, Tampa was the team that benefited from not playing a physical game. Sure. Because neither of these teams are particularly. So, of course, that ties up the season series one-to-one. And Hobart was right neck and neck with Utica coming down the stretch that year for that final pool C-bit. And... So I, I still remember this, and it was incredible. I show up Super Bowl Sunday that year, and I'm getting ready to walk in. And, of course, I go through the locker room area, and I just see this big handwritten sign that just says, who's going to row the boat today in <laughs> reference to what had happened that Friday? Right. So, of course, the game happens. Uh, Nick Tarion and Nick Broadwater from Hobart go out and have probably the best goaltending duel I've ever seen. And then Louis Ejikati scores the game-winning goal with five minutes to go in the game. Wow. In what has to be the single biggest moment in regular season history, probably, for the program at the time. I mean, you could make the argument maybe it's since been surpassed by some of the big moments from the last couple of years, but that was really, I think, a coming-of-age moment for the program. That's one I'll never forget. Um, all the all the teddy bear tosses are unique in their own way. Sure. Um, and then there's also things like, you know, 
get the win over the U.S. Under-18 team at our place in 2013 and what was my final day of college. I'll never forget, you know, seeing the team we had that time play arguably its best game of the year against the team that had Jack Eichel on it, Alex Tuck, Dylan Larkin, Sonny Milano. I need a boatload of legit current NHL stars. Oh, yeah. We're not talking just players. We're talking superstars. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even a couple years later, I didn't get to make the trip out to Michigan, but, you know, you go out to their place and you go in and you beat a team that's got Jack Hughes on it. Our record against those guys has been pretty good, all things considered. Considering well, a lot of D1s have problems with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, really, what Coach Heenan has done with this program is just beyond amazing. I mean, there's just no no getting around that. Um, let's talk about this year's team for a little bit. Uh, they finished with a record of 25-3-1. and uh, Final ranking in the uh, USCHO poll had them at number four. Um yeah, of course it was a it was a disappointing end of the season. You know that um, you know losing a home two to nothing against New England uh, University, of New England. I'm sorry, the Nor'easters. Let me ask you a question about that. Do you think that extra week off hurt them? Yeah, I definitely think so. And in the post game presser, Gary kind of alluded to just as much. I think uh, the guys after they get the bye. He said that they had had two basically horrendous weeks of practice. He wasn't real thrilled with either week heading into that game. And, well, the University of New England, they were tested. They were tested big time against Plymouth State. They got pushed around early, had to respond, win that game in double overtime. And you could argue that that sense of being battle tested while Utica had the week off, it wasn't definitive to their chances, but it definitely sure. helped. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when you've got a hockey club coming in with nine seniors, three graduate students, just as seasoned as just about anybody in the country. And on top of it, a head coach with a good game plan. And Kevin Swallow had a legitimately good game plan coming into a tough building, tough place to play. And, even after the game, he told me uh, that his guys seem to be a little bit more comfortable playing on the road because when they're playing in front of their building, you know, packed house, 1,000 people in the stands, which is pretty solid for Division Three, all things considered. Sure. He felt like they were pressing a little bit too hard. They were gripping the top hand on the stick a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And it was, show- it was showing in their performance against Plymouth against State. They go on the road, it's a completely different dynamic for them. And, you know, at the end of the day, they showed up and executed. Utica didn't, and that's why they went to Lake Placid. Sure. And, you know, uh, New England goaltender Billy Gerard had a great game, too. And when you run into a hot goaltender on top of it, it you know, it's just kind of one of those perfect storm kind of deals. Um, we do have a couple of comments. Or yeah, he picked the heck of a time to have his best game of the season. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> that was only his second shutout of the year, if you can believe that. Really? Because yep. I'll tell you, the, the way he played, he looked like, you know, one of the top goaltenders in Division Three that game, you know? 
Yeah, and then he goes into the semis against Geneseo and ends up getting ripped apart pretty good. Yeah. So, again, anything can happen on the day. He was certainly the proof case on that one. And we, we just happened to catch him on a high note. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that happens. That's hockey. You know, that's hockey. It's the way it goes sometimes. Um, but here, I got a couple of comments here I want to read off to you. Uh, first of all, John Riley says he's very impressed with how Ray prepares for his broadcast, and so am I. Great, that's a great point. Thank you, Ray. Uh, then we got a couple of questions. They kind of dovetail together, so I'm going to kind of link them. Uh, Jordy Fighter wants to know, or says, it's going to be interesting to see if the seniors in Utica use their extra COVID year or not. And then Josh Briggs wants to know, how many seniors are we losing Big Z? Uh, so let's kind of dovetail that together, because between the graduate students and the seniors, I believe there's 10, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, well, I can give you a pretty good idea. I can give you a pretty good idea of what's going to happen here. Um, at least the two guys I will tell you that have confirmed directly to me or through a teammate that they are returning. Oh, cool. As I understand it, Kavanaugh will be returning, as will Justin Allen. Really? Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Because that was kind of what I was my wondering. Source is, my source is Justin Allen on both of those. Beautiful. He was just out a few weeks ago. Super cool guy. Super cool. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, so I will tell out. you, those two guys right now are planning on coming back. Um, of course, the grad students are done. Right. Jamie Bussell, I don't know if you just saw. Yep. It Macon was just have. publicized a couple hours ago that he signed with Macon and the SP. So... He's going to give it a go here for the rest of the season. Yeah, good for him. Not though. sure if Brett Emerson's going to find a landing spot. What? Uh, I said good for him. I mean, that's a that's such a fun league, too, that, the SPHL. Oh, 110%. I mean, it's an opportunity to go play, play a little bit longer at least. If you can build it into an ECHL resume, great. If you want to build things up and go to Europe, also great. Yeah. If you want to just go get a job. The door's wide open for you to do that, too. So <laughs> There you go. <laughs> it's also a pretty manageable league to play in while trying to finish your degree requirements. So there's yeah, that absolutely. as well. Yeah, and that's huge. That's huge right there, you know? Uh, that Absolutely. But, you know, that's, that's fantastic news because, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, even with that large number of seniors and graduating students, I got to tell you something, it, the, the roster is still extremely strong from juniors down. I mean, I mean, next year, obviously, uh, John Mankovic, uh, Buster Larson, uh, Dante Zabata, they're all going to be seniors, of course, but they're going to lead the way. I mean, Jason Dobey had a great season this year as a sophomore on the blue line. Um, Brian Landsberg looked like the real deal in goal as a freshman. Uh, I'll tell you, it, it looks real good next year. Yeah, and as I told a lot of people up in Lake Placid even this weekend, you know, and take into consideration what I just told you. Think about this. Utica has three first-team All-Americans, and they're all coming back. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> that is real scary. It, terrifying, actually. I mean, that said, Adrian's returning a pretty scary team in their own right. Right, right, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you something else, too. You don't think that after losing like that to New England, they're not going to be motivated? Oh, 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 oh. that's going to be on the locker room doors right there. That's going to be I, I'm, 
I'm telling you, this team is going to be – you thought they were good this year? Look out next year. No doubt about it. 110%. Of course, there's going to be some retooling, I think, with the depth. They're going to have to figure out how they're going to plug the holes in the lineup that are left by Bucell and Brett and Cameron Barkowski and, of course, Sean Dixon. I think sure. those are four key guys that are no longer in the fold, no longer going to factor in. I'm also not sure that Eric Collins is going to be back. I put that one as a question mark right now. I know the guys were trying to talk him into it. I don't know if he's coming. Um, but so there, there's definitely some holes that need to be plugged in this lineup, some voids that are going to have to be filled. But overall, top to bottom, I thought the depth gelled pretty well this year. I thought Remy Parker was a big addition at the break in terms of just solidifying four forward lines. I uh, just. There's, there's a lot to be excited about. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure Cochina will do a fantastic job of recruiting to get those holes filled, too. So I don't think you need to worry about that. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned you, you we were just talking about the, the Division Three Frozen Four up in Lake Placid, and that's been pretty much a mainstay for what you've been doing for the past, like, 10 years, right? Yeah, ever since Utica went, I, I just really have never left. Uh, since they went 13, I just finished up my 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 19, 17 18, 19, 22. That's a weird way to count, but it's my eighth. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's I've been really, really lucky to be along for the ride all these years, whether it be through Utica, uh, whether it be through d3hockey.com, whether it be through the NCAA. So anyways, yeah, we were just talking about the uh, the Frozen Four, the Division Three Frozen Four, and you um, you were also uh, – I started to touch on the, the d3hockey.com. You were managing editor there for a while, right? Yes, I was. Youngest editor in the history of the d3sports.com network, which, of course, is pretty big. d3football.com, d3hoops.com, d3soccer.com used to be part of that. Uh, d3baseball.com as well. So it's it's a pretty wide-reaching network of sites, and I was lucky enough to be approached by the founder of the site uh, after the 13-14 season, and I joke that it kind of happened by accident, I guess, just like the start of my broadcasting career. Right. So, um, and this is, this is 110% a true story. Um, and you may have seen me post something about this not that long ago. So... At the, at, during that 2014 NCAA tournament, Bowden came down to play Oswego in an opening round game, and there just happened to be a snowstorm after Bowden had gotten into town. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bowden was eating their team dinner at a restaurant called Canales in Oswego, <laughs> and while they were eating, their empty bus slid down the hill in the parking lot into the front door of the restaurant. That prompted the postponement of the game. Now, the guy that was supposed to go write the story for D3Hockey.com was unable to make it. So out of nowhere, because I had actually met the guy the year earlier out in Lake Placid when Utica had gone, 
he gets a hold of me and his good buddy actually lives in Whitesboro, it turns out. His good buddy from college lived in Whitesboro. So he's just like, you want to go do this? And I was like, I guess I was born ready. I got nothing else going on. So up to Oswego, I went. (laughs) (laughs) Next thing you know, I'm going to see Geneseo in Norwich play the following week. And then I'm headed to Lewiston, Maine. No kidding. For that year's championship. And then from there, I got handed the keys to the site the following summer. Wow. That's awesome. That is awesome. I wonder yeah, if- not to mention that 2014. Wait, what? I was wondering if that Lewiston main, if that was the same arena where uh, Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston fought. Yes, it is. Really? Ah, see, there you go. The and Andrew you- Scoggin you- Bank you- Coliseum. <laughs> Uh, so I'm sorry I cut you off there with the, the Muhammad Ali talk, but I couldn't help it. It just it just stuck in my head. It was Oh, I mean for sure it's the most iconic moment to ever happen in that building. One hundred and ten percent. With all with all with all due respect to the St. Norbert Green Knights and their national championship that year, I don't think it holds a candle to uh, the second Ollie Liston fight, the Phantom Punch photo that's been circulated a million times over. <laughs> that said, um, so that 2014 Frozen Four, one of the things I'll always remember about that, and of course, you know that was Geneseo's first trip. Oswego made it for the most recent time that year. Mm-hmm. And then you had St. Norbert, and then, of course, Stevens Point, who was building towards winning a couple of championships before the decade was out, who would kind of come roaring back into the picture after a long, long time where they were just kind of so-so slash mediocre. And they, at one time, were one of the best teams in the country year in, year out, if you go back to the early 90s. So it was kind of, you know, an interesting mix of the recent powers meeting the emerging powers that have kind of carried the game forward but also not only was it kind of you know a crossroads moment i think for division three hockey that weekend but also featured one of the greatest press room spreads i've ever seen in my life (laughs) we're talking mountains of miniature lobster rolls really mountains i ate about 20 of these things Well, a perk of the job, huh? <laughs> oh, 110%. Lobster bisque, lobster rolls. And actually, in a uniquely main twist, here, here's a fun fact. And I'll offer this one up to anybody who's listening out there as well, because it's kind of a surprising piece of culinary trivia. The mixed Italian cold-cut sandwich, as we know it today, was invented in Maine. Really? Yes, it was. I know that. (laughs) I don't know if it was invented in Lewiston, but it was definitely invented in Maine. Wow. Well, not you know what now. Just like the uh, just like the uh, the the unique Utica story, I also tell people that is hard to believe. The uh, pu- the pajama the footy pajamas with the little flap for your rear end those were invented yeah. in Utica too. They were. Really? Yes, they were. That's like an iconic piece of. <laughs> that is a true story. story. <laughs> yes, you know, it is. I wish I still had a pair. I think I had a pair when I was a kid, but 
you know, you, you just don't realize just how convenient those are on a cold winter night unless you've actually lived it. That's for sure. <laughs> I want to see those make a comeback. Uh, I will. Uh, I will. I will sign my name to that. I want to see them make a comeback. No doubt about it. I mean, how could they not, right? Uh, I mean, actually, I could go on for an hour about that. So let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's try to avoid that one, I guess. But uh, <laughs> so, tell us about this year's tournament up in Lake Placid. So, when you're calling the games up in Lake Placid, are you in the same booth that Al Michaels was in? So the spot I was in was actually basically right next to it. So there's a couple of little enclosed blue booths up top, and they were in one of them. Okay. I believe the one that was to our immediate left. We were in between at center ice. And, uh, yeah, so not exactly the same spot, but most of the press box up there is still very much the original, as it was in 1980. The chairs are pretty much the same. They've got a lot of rust on them at this point. The structure is all the same. Anything above the lower bowl, save for, of course, the scoreboards, sure. is probably original. No kidding. No kidding. That is so cool. Yeah, it's been like 20 years since I've been up there. And that's, there, there, there's, I'm, and of course, I'm not telling you anything. There's just like this aura as soon as you walk into that place. You're like, there oh. is. Yeah, you know, I mean, it just takes your breath away. It really does. Um, and it's even stronger if you're in the building and it's silent. Yeah. Like, oh, if, yeah. That, if that makes sense. If the building oh. is silent, you can hear the roars. It's right. weird. There's yeah, there's ghosts in that place. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No doubt They're friendly ghosts, but there's ghosts. <laughs> we hope so, right? <laughs> so what I'll do sometimes, honestly, if I'm working an event up there, the, the times I've gotten to, and I've been pretty lucky, I'll show up in there three, four hours prior to game time, grab something for lunch, and just sit there. Oh, yeah. Enjoy my lunch. Enjoy the company of the building. You sit there and you soak that in. There's really, you know, there's really no atmosphere that can top it in a lot of ways. No, there can't be. Because it's the bat backdrop of, for literally the greatest moment of modern team sports history. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. That's just, it's amazing. I mean, it's its completely iconic. And I, and the funniest part is, you know, when you watch the, the, the replay of the Miracle on Ice game, I don't know if it's like to you, but to me, the arena seems so much bigger than it really is. Yes, it does, and you know, some of that probably is the TV cameras of the time, which, yeah. let's face it, tended to hide anything in the far reaches, but True. yeah, it definitely felt bigger at the time, and some of that is also the, grav the, the raw gravitas of the moment. Sure, sure, absolutely. You know, it's set against this incredibly contentious political backdrop. Not to mention, it's an absolutely titanic venue in a tiny town. Yeah, exactly, right? No doubt about it. So we got another question here. Josh Briggs wants to know. I hope we're still connected here. Oh, yeah, we are. We're, we're good. It's those ghosts. The ghosts are going okay. to down to our internet. That's, you know. 
Uh, Josh Briggs wants to know your <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Josh Briggs wants to know your thoughts on Drake Varnish. I'm not supposed to really comment on potential uh, or prospective student athletes as part of my job. What oh, what wow. I can tell you is in the event in the event that Drake does elect to come to Utica, he is second USPHL Premier history in points. Oof. That's a statement of fact. And that's pretty cool. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. It, it really is. Um, so in covering that this year's tournament did, uh, of course, you know, the, we didn't get to see it on TV. Uh, was Adrian clearly the team to beat up there? I absolutely believe so. I mean, th- th- their depth was just beyond manageability, I think, for any of the other three teams that were there. Geneseo definitely had the best shot, and they came out and proved that for a lot of that game on Saturday night that if the bounces fell their way, they were going to have a chance. They had a couple of awful turnovers in that game that really took them out of it. But if you turn the puck over against the deep team, you're really in a lot of trouble. And Adrian was able to take advantage of that. That said, it kind of, with, with Adrian's depth, it reminds me of what Utica was up against at the start of the season. And, of course, Utica, the only team to beat Adrian this year, they end up splitting. And you look back at that what Adrian brought to the table that weekend, they were short a whole bunch of guys. Sure. I'm talking nine or ten guys were unable to make the trip. And Adam Krug had to dress a defenseman who didn't play the rest of the season. And he had to play. Wow. And those were a pair of one-goal games. And I remember getting done with that second game. And I said to myself, if that's Adrian right now, I am horrified to see them when they're healthy. Right, exactly. And sure enough, they they ran over, around, and through pretty much anybody in their path the rest of the way. Yeah. Oh, they they were, I mean, listen, they were a buzzsaw. There's just no getting around that. Oh, they they were an absolute buzzsaw. There was no getting around that. Oh, yeah, exactly. And on top of it, this was also a group that really reaped the benefits of being able to play a lot of games last year, they played more games than anybody in the country last year, while a lot of schools didn't even bother or played a very abbreviated schedule. Adrian went out and played something like 20 games, and it was basically an all-comers tour against anybody they could find, whether that be the U.S. under-18 team multiple times, Bowling Green. I mean, they, they were playing anybody and everybody that they could play. Sure. And so that that certainly paid off, I think, for that group coming into this year because they had had all these experiences. They'd they'd taken all these lumps as a team. And, you know, you you really can build up a good base and a good core that way. In addition to just the raw talent level that they had, but it wasn't really the talent level that shone through in the end. You go into that third period, Geneseo's got themselves a chance, and they've really had to kind of go through hell and back to even be in that position, down by a goal, 
after, you know, they get called for a major penalty in the first five, six minutes of the game, three goals get scored off of that, a shorty and two power play goals. And they, they kind of had to regroup and battle back from that. But the third period, it wasn't even the skill level for Adrian at that point that took over. It was just the greasiness factor. They were blocking shots like crazy. They were in shooting lanes everywhere, especially when Geneseo had that string of power plays. Cameron Gray played terrific behind that group and was tracking shots through screens, probably on par with any goaltender I've seen all year in a single period. It's the, the depth of that team just completely took command when it mattered. And it's, you know, it's tough to contend with that. And, of course, with Geneseo, it's coulda, shoulda, woulda. Because if they don't have those two dreadful turnovers where the D turns the puck over in his own zone on the half wall with a couple minutes to go in the first period, the goaltender gets caught in a five-man scrum behind his own net. Those two things don't happen. It's a completely different hockey game. Right. But when you're chasing the game, I guess the team's that deep, it's hard to catch up. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Not a chance. Because it's not like you can go out there and try to match your top line with their bottom six. Yeah. It almost feels like they don't even have a bottom six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. They have a top 12. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, boy. So... Oh, we do got one more question in here for you. It's uh, Daniel Fontana. Uh, he wants to know, in that quarterfinal game, the Utica no-goal, did it look like it went in? So afterwards, I did get a chance to review a little bit of video. And to be quite honest with you, there's really no conclusive video evidence that says it crossed the line. If it crossed the line, it did so in midair. Which is so And funny. that's... In, re in reference to the tape that I saw. Yeah. And the official was in a spectacular position to make that call. So I, I think it's really tough to go against him knowing what I saw. Oh, yeah. And I, and I, think I mean, the, the, of the official was in top-notch position to make the call. Yeah, he, he has so, At the end of the day, that kid was on fire. And if that didn't fall through, it was going to be an uphill battle. Absolutely. Absolutely, unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to overturn a call when it's really not completely obvious that the call was wrong. You know, and that's just the, it's the way it is. I mean, that's, you know, and like you said, the official was in the perfect spot to make that call. And, you know, regardless, you, you can't just, well, I think it might have gone in. You got to prove it. And that's if you can't prove it. Sorry, it's the call on the ice stands. You know, unfortunately for us, yeah, we'll it's tough of a pill as that is to swallow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, oh, no, no pun intended, of course, with the last name of you and his coach. <laughs> yeah, <right. I> just... <laughs> <laughs> figured I'd drop that one in there somewhere, and actually, you know, I, I had a. I had a great chat with Kevin the following week up in Lake Placid, and I just simply told him, I was like, I just raised my glass and said, hey, man, you got us. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, it is what it is. You know, it's, but like I said, I'm sure that's going to be motivation and fuel for the boys next year. Make no mistake about that. 110%. I think, you know, to have it right there at your doorstep and have it all fall apart with the amount of talent that's back. I, this, if this team wants to show up next year, you know, work oh, yeah. in a pissed off state for the entire offseason, come back square one ready to go next year. I think maybe as long as everything, of course, pans out, the effort pans out the way it needs to, you know, you might be looking at a collision course next year, Utica and Adrian for the final. Who knows? But the Man, beauty of the offseason is anybody can get better. Man, that would be so much fun, too. Could you imagine that? Oh, man. Oh, boy. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's finish up. I want to talk about the, the ladies real quick. So the, the ladies had a great season themselves. They were 21-6-0. Uh, uh, they're going to lose, I think it's six seniors this season, I believe, unless uh, someone will come back. I don't know what the – because I believe they get the extra COVID year as well, I, I think. Um, Rebecca Brown, Georgiano Santula, which that's going to that's gonna hurt. Well, I'll tell you what, this is another young team. They're, they're top to bottom. They look pretty good. So I think they can make some noise next year as well. Yeah, they certainly can. And they weren't all that far from making a lot of noise this year. No. Just caught the wrong end of it in the conference playoffs against Manhattanville. That was what it was, unfortunately. They get through that game. They got as good a chance as anybody to go out and try to beat Nazareth. Yeah. And, you know, obviously losing a player like Becky Brown really hurts. Yeah. I think she brought something to the table that's not easily replaceable. Just, you don't see that kind of length, that strength, that skill level packaged together like that very often in Division Three women's hockey. She was, you know, a one-of-a-kind player in that regard. There's not a ton of pure power forwards that can play to that kind of level. And if there's a player that's going to have to step up and kind of fill that gap, it's going to have to be somebody like a Carly Stefanini, I think, mm -hmm. uh, for next season. But So she's part of a really, really good group that's coming back. I believe you will see Georgie Santulo return, if I'm not mistaken. Good, good. And, of course, she had an unbelievable year, was All-American. Sure um, but, you know, just a loaded, loaded group up and down the lineup and would be remiss, of course, if I didn't mention the wonderful work of Angela Hawthorne and just oh, the yeah. true, truly terrific A1 starting goaltender for Utica. I mean, she she's one of those kids, works, you know, works till the rink lights go off. Probably the most impressive in that regard in terms of her work ethic and what she'll be willing to bring to the table night in, night out. Um, and that drives the whole team to be better. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, it just, it's, it sets the example. That's a, that's the, you know, the sign of true leadership. And I think she's only a sophomore, right? Yup. <laughs> so and we'll have up to three more years. Yeah, <laughs> if she wants to go down that road, so it's it's an exciting time for sure, especially when you know you're going to have a chance to win every night with her between the pipes. 
Um, and, you know, on top of it, too, it's really nice and refreshing in our league as well. You know, not having the buzzsaw in the room anymore, not having Elmira in the room. Right. I think it's raised the level of everyone else now that they know, okay, we can come into the season and really fight for a championship. I think it's going to make the rest of the league better. Yeah. Because yeah. Oh, a lot of them are still playing Elmira out of conference. Right, right. No, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, seriously, I mean, it, it, it's looking bright, man. It, it really is. And, yeah, that Manhattanville game was a heartbreaker. It really was, being up and then losing in an overtime like that. But, again, just like on the men's side, there's your motivation right there next year. You know, there's your comeback. They say, okay, we remember what happened, and we're going to overcome that, and we're going to go even further this year. And, and I think Coach Clausen and, and the staff will get them playing that, that way. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, iron sharpens iron, you know. You have a tough moment like that, and it, it will ring in your head for months. <laughs> it's a matter of what you do with that energy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Ray, this has been so much fun. And um, just so our, our listeners know, obviously, if you if you don't know, this man does the play-by-play for Utica City FC as well. I swear, this guy does never, ever take a day off. Ever. So. <laughs> I think I got a few coming up, and I'm pretty grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me ask Octo- you October to March, I don't have a social life. doesn't exist. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question, though. How, how different is it to call a Utica City FC game compared to a hockey game? In all honesty, really not that different. Yeah. Because it's so much easier to come into this as a hockey guy versus an outdoor soccer aficionado. If you're coming at this from the outdoor soccer perspective, it is way harder to adapt and get comfortable. Sure. But if you've got the cadence and flow of a hockey game, then you've got something you can really build off of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and it helps that they, it's basically the same, right? So it's, it's almost like, well, it's obviously it's like box lacrosse. Um, I've been to those, and I'll tell you, I mean, growing up, I wasn't a, a big, huge soccer fan, but I love that soccer because it's so fast, it's so exciting, and the crowd is so into it. I mean, the, the, oh, yeah. Backflips off the boards. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> and the thing is, and I've heard executives and owners in the league talk about this, you are the exact person they're trying to reach with their product. You are the exact person. They want people who don't like soccer to show up and learn that they like soccer. Yeah, absolutely. They just don't realize it yet. Absolutely. And I was that way. I mean, I wasn't a huge soccer guy before they showed up. Sure. And then all of a sudden, the following summer, I'm sitting there watching the Red Bulls on television. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) I mean, it's just amazing what that product has done to my perception of soccer and how much I enjoy it. And really, with indoor soccer, I think we've got a special product here. You know, we've got something that, if it gets into the right right money nationwide, if it can get into the right hands for television eventually, it's got a chance to take off. It's going to be the long game. The owners know that. League management knows that. They've got a good group there in charge now in terms of Starting to get those pieces in place. I thought getting JP Del Camera involved on the broadcast side was a huge deal. Yeah. 
but I know, you know, with, with, with still being kind of a COVID year and stuff, I know there were some lumps that had to be taken this year. I know there's things that they want to refine in their operation, and they're still working on that. I mean, unfortunately, Rome wasn't built in a day, but I really like the direction the league is headed in the next four or five years, and I think fans are going to like it, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like I said, for, you know, for me, like my whole thing with soccer was, well, I don't like to watch one to nothing games or zero, but there, there is no slowing down in that game. And it, it, the, the Utica city FC place it is just constant action back and forth. You know, the, the soccer ball caroming off the boards. It, it's great. I always kind of thought of it as like soccer in a, with a pinball. You know, it, it's, it's super cool. So oh, exactly. You know, so it, and by, by the way, if anybody uh, anybody needs to be caught up on this as well, uh, just for the record, as of last weekend, Major Arena Soccer League has made a full broadcast move to Twitch. Oh. So uh, no more YouTube, at least not for the rest of this season. Very cool. That is awesome. That is and awesome. it's kind of a deal as well where Twitch has agreed to help promote the league. So that's kind of why they made that move and – I'm excited to see where the results go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, you know, it, best of luck, future success for Utica City FC because, man, I'll tell you, if you haven't been to one of those games, get to one because it is it's just a fantastic time. It doesn't matter if you're a soccer fan or not. It's a great time to go to. Um, anything else you're, uh, you're into that you want to talk about before you go? I mean, like I said, you, obviously you don't take a day off. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting to that point where I, I'll, I'll obviously start to. And, you know, at work at, at Utica, and I'm not there full time on a full-time basis. My real day job is with Madison United Boces now in Verona, and I work with a couple of school districts. But, you know, I still balance that out with a lot of work at the university as well. I haven't quite totally grasped the university part yet. I'm still working yeah. on it after 10-plus years of staying Utica College. You know, it's just like you know, you you, you jump to a, you jump to a new year, and you're, you're saying 2021 for like three months by accident. Yeah. Right. So I'm still I'm still trying to work that out of the out of the stream of consciousness right now. But yeah, so at Utica University, uh, I, I get a chance to do some other stuff. I'll be doing some lacrosse here. Uh, uh, nice. The weeknights are a little tough to make, unfortunately for me, but should get a week, week weekend game soon enough. Um, plus, on the track and field and golf contact, so I've got some stuff to keep me busy. And other than that, I'll be sitting around at home watching Formula One, IndyCar, IMSA, whatever motorsport I can get my hands on. There you go. That's awesome. Got a favorite driver? Pato Award. Gotcha. Gotcha. That is awesome. Well, Ray, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to come on to talk to us. This has been so much fun, man. We really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, and uh, anytime, please. Yeah, <laughs> Let absolutely. Me know. You are welcome back to the show anytime you want, my friend. Absolutely. Sounds uh, good. All righty. Well, thanks a million. We appreciate it. Thank you. All righty. Have a good night, my friend. Thank you. Yep, you as well. All right. Take care. That was Ray Biggs, the voice of Utica Pioneers Hockey. Man, that was so cool. What a cool dude. I tell you, he really is. Uh, just an awesome all-around guy. 
Well, folks, uh, it looks like Jeremy and Dom are not going to make it. So you're going to get to listen to me talk about the comments for a minute. So this is basically going to be our part two. Um, normally, I have my uh, my co-host here to talk to me, but I don't. So we're going to jump into part two. I already did the commercial break. So <laughs> thank you. Thanks, thank you, Josh. Thank you for. And by the way, everybody, thank you for all the support. Uh, listening to the show, checking out the website, checking out the socials for Marty's Illegal Stick. We really do appreciate it. Um, so with that said, let's do an abbreviated part two here. Uh, first of all, our condolences are going out to the family of Ottawa Senators owner Eugene Melnick. Uh, Mr. Melnick passed away on Monday at the age of 62 after a brief illness. Um, that's just awful news. And like I said, condolences to his family. Um, we do have a couple of happy birthdays. Uh, happy birthday to former Utica Devil Murray Brumwell. Uh, Murray turned 62 on Thursday. Uh, I always remember Murray from the, the from my as when I was a kid had that super huge mustache. It was so cool. And uh, also another happy birthday to another former Utica Devil, uh, Miles O'Connor. He turns 55 on Saturday. Uh, Miles was huge. I remember he was like six four, six five, and man, I remember just being a little kid thinking, man, I wouldn't want him to check me into the boards because that could possibly. Well, no, it would hurt a lot. So, anyways, happy birthday to those two former Utica Devils. We hope you guys enjoy your days. All right. Like I said, we're going to talk about the Comets for a minute here. Uh, the Utica Comets are certainly back on track. Um, after losing three straight, uh, they have now won three or won three games in a row, including Providence and at Hartford last night. Uh, ben Brunell from the Daily Sentinel, our friend Ben Brunell, uh, you can check him out on Twitter at BB underscore you are Sentinel. Um, he tweeted out that the Comets magic numbers as of today are as follows. For a playoff spot, it's eight. For a division title, it's 16. And for a regular season title, it's 33. Uh, we're going to kind of forego the, the regular season title because that's overall AHL. And the math is way too complicated to even think about that right now. But let's look at that playoff spot and let's look at that division title. So magic numbers, in case you don't know what the magic number really means, magic number is basically the combined wins of the team that is aspiring to get a playoff spot or a division title or whatever. And the difference in between the, or the difference between them and the team that's the lowest behind them with losses, right? So it's a combined wins and losses. Um, this is kind of a little bit more complicated this year in the AHL because we're not going by points. We're going by points percentage, uh, which is why I'm so glad Ben put that out because it saved me from doing a lot of math and trying to figure it out in my own head. And I gotta be honest with you guys. I was never good at math in school anyway, so I could have really potentially screwed that up. So anyways, the playoff spot. To clinch a playoff spot for the Comets, the magic number is eight. And the team involved with that, as of right now, is the sixth-place Rochester Americans. So what it means is that, and this is points, not wins. i sorry, I misspoke earlier. So the Comets need eight points, right? Either four wins, it gets them there, or any combination of four wins and losses between Rochester and them guessing there well guess who they're playing tomorrow night rochester so they have a chance to potentially whittle that uh, magic number down even more tomorrow night uh for the division title it's 16 16 points for the division title and that is the laval rocket which is uh if you recall that uh, that rivalry was a little uh little hot earlier in the season uh you know i think we all recall the cole caulfield thing earlier in the season and then of course there was the brawl at the i think that was december I was at that game. We got a video of that on our YouTube page if you want to check that out. Um, so we haven't played Laval in a little while. Laval is a tough, scrappy team, though, and they're um, they're getting some reinforcements as well, thanks to the trade deadline, of course, in the NHL. So it's going to be interesting to see. I don't 
listen, I don't want to put the cart before the horse and I'm knocking on every piece of wood that I can find here, but um, the Comets should get the division title. I don't think there's really uh, much debate about that. Now the question is the Eastern Conference. Uh, with Springfield coming on, we'll see. But I think the, the Comets are in the driver's seat. Let's put it that way. And more good news for the Comets. Uh, they just got A.J. Greer and Kevin Ball back from the New Jersey Devils. And the Devils have signed Brian Halonen. To, and uh, obviously he's been assigned to Utica on an ATO contract, amateur tryout contract. So Halonen was a college free agent. He played at Michigan Tech. Um, he's six feet tall. He weighs 205 pounds. And uh, like I said, he was at Michigan Tech. And uh, let's see, 37 games this year. He had 21 goals and 23 assists. Uh, I was doing a little reading on a scouting report about him. And you know what? They say that here's a kid who can obviously put the puck in the net, but also has a little bit of edge to his game, which I'm going to tell you something. In my opinion, obviously the comments are a wagon right now. They're loaded top to bottom. Um, you have to be to put together the record that they put together, right? And especially the way they're playing right now. But heading into the playoffs, if there's one thing that the Comets might need, it might be a little bit more grit. So I like the idea of Halonen coming in, providing that grit for them. Um, obviously, A.J. Greer and Kevin Ball being back really helps in that department too. Um, but I'll tell you, speaking of grit, Luke Stevens, who came down from the Adirondack to the ECHL, uh, he's played two, three games with the Comets now. He's been playing on a line with Fabian Zetterlin. And i got to tell you something, kid looks good. He really does. Uh, he's a big guy, too, and he's not afraid to get in the corners and throw the body, which, again, it goes right back to what the comments, and especially, I'm going to tell you something right now, going into the playoffs, because the playoffs, as everybody knows, is a completely different animal. Uh, you know, you got you got to be, right, Jasper, the Archibald-type guy, exactly, Darren Arch, Archie, yes, of course, right there, uh, perfect, it, it, exactly what I'm talking about. And when you're getting into the playoffs, that's what you need. You need those sandpaper guys because, especially when you get in a short series in the beginning, gotta have them. So I say good on the comments. Yeah, good on the comments. Good on the Devils for signing Halonen. Um, Now it's just going to be interesting now that uh, Greer and Ball are back. Who's going to get the next call ups? I uh, wouldn't be surprised at some point to see Fabian Zetterlin get a shot. Kid certainly deserves it. He worked his butt off here in Utica. And obviously, it's paying dividends. He's leading the team in scoring, he's leading the team in goals, leads the team in shots, leads the team in game-winning goals, uh, just about everything. So <laughs> I would say him and um, Alexander Holtz as well. However, Alexander Holtz is now injured. Uh, he left. He didn't. He didn't play in the third period against Providence on Sunday. Uh, didn't play at all uh, Monday night against Hartford. We don't know what the extent of the injury is, or where it is, or anything like that. So it's kind of a a wait and see kind of mode. Uh, Nolan foot has also been out for a while now too. He's think he's missed like seven or eight straight games, but, um, but again, you know, it's, it's a wait and see. We find out when they come back, but you know, here's the thing, right? When the comets were in their losing streak uh, a week ago, uh, you know, they were pretty banged up with injuries. You know, they had some guys down from Adirondack and honestly, I, I think it, it, it was kind of a wake up call for them. Right. And it almost like reinstilled that next man up mentality. And now you're starting to see a payoff. And of course, guys are coming back. But it also put that belief back in their head to say, hey, you know what? We can do this no matter what. And it really is. It's paying off because these past few games, they have looked fantastic. They, they really have. Speaking of fantastic, I'm going to tell you something. I will take my hat off, but I'm bald. And I don't want to have the reflection blind you guys on the screen. Uh, hats off to Merrick's mittens, right? Here's a kid who didn't play that much at all. 
and he's actually picked up three games in the past uh, week or so. Uh, he's won two of them, and he lost another one in the shootout against Cleveland. And, you know, that game against Providence, he was absolutely brilliant in that third period. Uh, I think he faced 21 shots, and he almost got the shutout, which was <laughs> made that much more impressive. Overall, he faced 47 shots, made 46 saves. And, and again, it's a guy who hadn't been playing that much. But and I, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I think the toughest position in hockey is the backup goaltender. And especially when you're you're behind a guy who plays a lot like Akira Schmidt does, and deservedly so. Akira Schmidt's a great goaltender. But when you're a goalie and you're sitting there on the bench for two, maybe three weeks at a clip, right, you can practice all you want. But you got to get those games in, too, to kind of keep your rhythm going. And that's where, you know, concentration and you really got to work hard at that. And obviously, Merrick Smittens has – and it's great to see him doing what he's doing because I want to touch on that uh, Andrew Hammond trade where um, the Devils gave up Nate Schnarr to the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Um, yeah, it was it, it hurt to see Nate Schnarr go because Schnarr was another one of those sandpaper guys I was talking about earlier. But I understand why New Jersey did what they did because they needed to get another goaltender up in New Jersey. Uh, Hammond should be coming off injured reserve pretty soon. I would I would guess within a week or so. Um, Devils GM Tom Fitzgerald has already come out and said, though, once he does, they plan on keeping all three, that being John Gillies, Andrew Hammond, and, of course, Nico Dawes in uh, in New Jersey. So for those that were thinking that Dawes was going to come right back down to Utica, probably not going to be right away. He was made eligible for the AHL playoffs by the team. Uh, they papered him down last Monday at the trade deadline. Um, so he will be back for the, the playoffs. But you know what? Merrick Mittens keeps playing the way he's playing. It gives Akira Schmidt a chance to get a little bit of a break, which you know I think will do him a world of good to be able to get a little bit of rest going into the playoffs because it is a long season. Let's not forget, folks, this is the first full professional season for both Nico Dawes and Akira Schmidt. So they're going to be playing a lot of hockey, a lot more than they would normally be used to. And while that's fantastic for them, it's also an adjustment. So I think to get a little bit of rest is going to do them a world of good. All right, so... Looking ahead, obviously, I said we got Rochester tomorrow. That's in Rochester, by the way, at the Blue Cross Blue Cross Arena. Uh, Friday night, they're home against the Syracuse Crunch. Again, the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, we played them two more times this year. Uh, so let's get a win against those Crunchies. And then Saturday night, they go back on the road, go down to Allentown, Pennsylvania, to take on the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, um, which we're going to see an old friend of ours, uh, two of them, actually, uh, Cal O'Reilly and uh, Adam Clendenning. So... Say, say hi to old Comets friends. So it'd be interesting to say the least. Anyways, I think that's all we got for tonight, folks. Um, again, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate Again, we appreciate all the support with the website. Uh, please check that out. You know, we got articles up there every day talking about the Comets or whatever's going on in uh, Mohawk Valley hockey. Um, if you get a chance, give us a subscribe or a subscribe on our YouTube channel. Um, trying to grow that, trying to put videos out there for you guys. Um, of course, follow the podcast wherever you can. And again, we just appreciate all the support. Thank you to Ray Biggs, the uh, again, the voice of the Utica Pioneers, for coming on and talking some uh, Division Three and Utica Pioneers hockey with us. Next Tuesday night at 7.30. I already got our guests lined up. I'm, I'm so far ahead of myself, I can't believe it. Uh, I got Joe Petterino 
from the Making It Rain podcast. He's a friend of mine from uh, Hockey Royalty. He will be on. Uh, he's the co-host of an Ontario Rain podcast, obviously called Making It Rain. Uh, he's going to come on and talk about the Pacific Division and the Ontario Rain. And uh, this is going to be interesting because you know, in our in our world, we kind of we we don't face any Western Conference teams. So to be able to get a perspective from the other side, say, you know, <laughs> I'm starting to sound like I'm Star Wars here or something, but from the other conference, it's great to get that kind of perspective. And interestingly enough, Joe's from Rochester. So he's like me, you know, at an NHL level, I follow a West Coast team. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Anyway, so that'll be next week. But again, like I said, thank you, Ray Biggs. Thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, again, YouTube, wherever you find us. And uh, again, thank you. We will see you guys next week on Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast. Which would be really nice because they've missed them. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you've been paying any attention or not, but are you? I, would, I wouldn't pay attention to Marty's Illegal Stick. I, yeah, well, I don't look at anything else. Well, hey, there you go. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Our Utica Comets have clinched the number one seat in the Eastern Conference for the playoffs, which is awesome. They're awesome, gonna, yeah. They're going to have home ice advantage through the at least the Eastern part of it. If they do make the Calder Cup final, they'll start off on the road because the, the Western team, well, depending on who they play, I should say. But anyways, could very well be starting off on the road. Anyways, that notwithstanding, uh, New Jersey has been uh, pretty much picking them dry as of late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alexander Holtz got called up today. Riley Walsh and Nolan Foote got called up the other day. Uh, they still have Fabian Zetterlin, Nikita Hotuk, and Kevin Ball. Uh, they'll all be back for the playoffs. So for the Calder Cup playoffs? Yeah. So, and it's like I was telling you at the beginning of the show, the reason we're waiting till next week to do our playoffs spectacular, because the Comets being number one in the North are going to play the winner of the four or five seed play-in round from the North Division, which is a three-game series. That's going to start, I think it's Sunday, I believe. Something like that. So, we're not going to know who they're going to play until the end of next week anyhow. Right. So, that's why we did all that. But they're getting all those guys back. Oh, I, you know? I hope so. Um, I, <laughs> well, no excuses. I want everybody back. But I t- Did I tell you I went down to New Jersey uh, s- Saturday? I, I You did? Saturday. And I saw the picture on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Neil Villapiano. Yep. We sat with him. What a, what a time. Yeah. I'm going to tell you. You know how he gets fired up on this show? You should go to a game with him. <laughs> it was worse. Right? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I felt so bad for him, too, because he, you know, he was telling me when we were sitting down, he's like, all right. He goes, well, I'm 0 for 8 this season at The Rock, oh. which is where the, the Devils play, the yeah. Prudential Center, right? Poor guys. All eight games he's gone to, lost. So now keep in mind, the Devils were playing the Hurricanes, who we just discovered are a very good team. Yes. Right? They were shutting them out 2 to nothing with five minutes left in the game. Poor Neil is, he's just getting happier and happier and happier as the game goes on, thinking, oh my God, this could have. Didn't they lose in a shootout or or what happened? So they gave up two goals in that last five five minutes, and it went to overtime. Carolina scored. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This poor guy. Jeez. He said, well, I go. He's like, well, and of course, my wife. Has to chime in that you know. Well, don't worry about it. That's happened to our comments too. And she turns around and says to her, "He goes, you don't understand. Your team actually wins these games. (laughs) My team never does. They win thirteen in a row. I don't want to hear about it." So basically, what he said is like, "You're in first place. Don't talk to me about misery." (laughs) 
Oh, sorry. I was trying to look at, uh, I was trying to read what uh, Drew said here. He said, just jumped in, but looks like it's going to be a rough weekend for us. So he's crossing the border to the game in Rochester Friday night. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, that's, I'll tell you, that's, the Rochester Americans do surprise me. I mean, they, they were such a loaded team on offense. They shot themselves in the foot last weekend by dropping two games to Cleveland. Yeah. They're, they're a good gonna team, be, though. They're a very good team, but yeah. now they're going to be really hard-pressed to make the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We have fun in Rochester, Drew. We actually thought about going out to that game, but uh, it's my daughter's birthday. I forgot. So we're um, You forgot your daughter's birthday well, I, I, is what you're admitting? Yes, I all am, right, because right. I thought it was, you know, I, I got my dates mixed up. <laughs> I can't help it. You know, my wife has to remind me of these things, and so does Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but Facebook reminds you the day of, which it's, is it's just you know, weird. I get those numbers just yeah turn around, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, well, buddy, I think that's all the time we got for this week. Yeah, it's I, been fun. I carried your ass for an hour. You, you did too. You did. A, you did a great job too. <laughs> Without anybody coming in, I don't you, know you how got, I did that. You got to be tired. It's my extensive hockey knowledge. It, it's expanded. <laughs> stretched to, to the, the limit. limit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, well, tune in next week when we have our AHL North Comets playoff preview. Like I said, it's going to be a really good time. Keep an eye on martysillegalstick.com for all the goings on in the, uh, the world of Marty's Illegal Stick, including all kinds of hockey stories about the local hockey area here. And uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Please subscribe on Spotify. And also check out some of Dave's shows on My Little Falls. Very interesting what he's got going on over there. Yeah. All right. So anyways, for Dave the Save Warner, I'm Scott Kinville. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Marcus and Legal Stuff. It's one coach of the year. He's won the division. And this year where he started with, what was it? 18, 20 games on the road because it wasn't, the arena wasn't done. My question is, wherever he goes, who's going to be his assistant that's going to take over for him after he's canned the next yeah. time? Well, it's don't ridiculous. forget, too. Lane Lambert is amazing. He's a great coach. He's been through so much in his life. I think he lost his wife to cancer when he was, when, uh, you know, when he was younger. He's a great coach. Everyone loved him in Washington. It's been him, yeah. And I think yeah. there's going to be a lot a lot that starts looking different. Honestly, you know, you're going to have the Bruins on the downslide. I think the Penguins are going to start, you know, sliding down a little bit. you got teams on the rise. you got the Sabres. you got the, the Devils. Yeah. Those are the yeah, two I mean, teams think, I'm really looking for gonna... next year, along with the Red Wings. Hmm. In that yeah, conference, yeah, think, make things interesting. Yeah, I think you're looking at an aging Capitals team, too. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, we talked about the Backstrom injury and – what kind of rehab that may involve. Like well, especially if he can't come back. Oof. Hip resurfacing. And and you have $9 million tied up. Yeah. I mean, granted, you'll be able to LTIR him, but that doesn't matter in the offseason going into the season. You still can't right. make you the need, move. You need, his, you need him on the ice. Yeah. And you look at these teams that have won and been at the top of the standings, and I think it's going to be a little bit more of a battle. Right. Right. I mean, I, I, I to lose him is – the Islanders will be worse next year. And it's not a dig at Lane Lambert. Lane Lambert was great as an assistant coach here. He ran the defense uh, for D.C. in eight years. Sure. And you know what? Even to that point, even for Vegas, right? I mean, everybody suddenly thinks that because they brought Bruce Cassidy, oh, they're a lock for the Pacific Division. 
Hmm, not necessarily. If Edmonton can manage to get themselves better, get some defense and some goaltending in there in the offseason. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think Edmonton is just a few players away from like a deep, a much deeper run. Not to, not to you know, be a homer or anything, but nobody expected the Kings to pull off 99 points this year, and yeah. they're loaded with young talent. Vancouver's getting better. Yeah. Vancouver really is. I think Calgary was kind of a smoke and mirrors kind of thing. But that yeah. that central division is still going to be extremely tough, and especially I'm telling you right now, if Barry Trotz goes to Winnipeg, watch out. Yeah, watch be out because that team's got talent. Yep, they really do. So they yeah, can throw a monkey wrench in the whole works. Sabers is interesting, you know, youth and talent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're stacking those picks after losing for so many years. You got some players coming in. Yeah, you're loaded. Exactly. You know, I mean, they may not be superstars yet, but. They're not garbage players by any means. No, not at all. You know, I hate to say it, but I almost can't wait for the summer to get over so we can get back to hockey already. <laughs> no. like we, said, haven't, you know, we haven't, like start, before, we haven't started the summer yet. What are you talking about? I know. It hasn't My even God. shown up. Jeez. Like we said, even before we went on the air, it's like I love watching these Stanley Cup Finals games, but every one of them is a reminder that we're getting closer and closer to the end of the season. You know what it's almost like? It's almost like watching like the last episodes of your favorite show, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, the yeah. series finale. Yeah. It totally is, and I have to give give kudos to Kyler Connor or Nick Ehlers. Nowhere, don't. nowhere. Yeah. So that's the other thing too. So I personally think he ends up in Winnipeg. That's my thought. Yeah, that it, that's kind of like I think that 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 is his best fit, and I think that that's where he's going to ride out the string, right? Like that's where he's from, right? Um, and, you know, he's got family there, like. Winnipeg will be in the playoffs next year if it, if Trotz is at the helm, hundred yeah. percent, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, and I cannot believe that the <clears throat> Islanders were so short sighted. In like, yeah. I was shocked. I was yeah, like, yeah, that's that, uh, that yeah. After thing. everything he's done but for I mean, him, I, I and maybe there's something that I'm not seeing because like we saw it with the Caps and they had Todd Reardon kind of waiting in the wings. Yeah, that like didn't work out. All those times. And, like, I mean, Trotz wins the cup. Reardon has two first-round exits. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked. And I, I do think that he ends up in Winnipeg, and I think that that's a great fit for both. Absolutely. I think that he's going to excel. I think that the Jets will be a better team because of it. No doubt about it. Yep. All right, so we're gonna close because, like, me and Dave are probably gonna. You, guys have you know, date night. this I is. Don't know how you well, listen, this night. is gonna end up like the odd couple. <laughs> Our wives are gonna be so mad. Dave and I are gonna have to move in together. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to close out real quick. Uh, our Utica Comets suffered a heartbreaker last night, an absolute heartbreaker, losing Game Five, and they're against the Rochester Americans, and they're they're out of the Calder Cup playoffs. Um, you know, there's no sense in, in beating a dead horse, right? We all know what happened in the game. You know, it just it wasn't meant to be. But I do want to say just a, a shout-out and a congratulations to the Utica Comets and the, and the coaching staff and the players and the organization in general on a, on a fantastic season. Nobody, and I mean nobody, picked this team to do what they did. And to go out and win the Eastern Conference the way they did, the record was like 43-28-1. I mean, it was just, it was a wagon all year long. And, you know, this is what happens in hockey. Sometimes you just don't get the breaks. You don't get the bounces. I, um, 
you know, I, I, I wonder what could have been. There it is right there, 13-0-0-0 to start the AHL record for starting a, you know, 13 wins to start the regular season. But, I mean, I wonder how much different that series would have been if they'd have had Riley Walsh and Freddie Gauthier. Not making excuses at all. You know, that's, that's injuries. That's the game. It's part of it. But, man, I mean, Riley Walsh only played in game one. It turns out he had an appendectomy done. His appendix burst. Whoa. Oh, that's wow. what happened. Oh, That's why he was out. Yeah. And, you know, without him driving the offense from the blue line, and then, of course, Robbie Russo got suspended in game four. We'll talk about that on Tuesday or Wednesday whenever we're going to do the next show. Uh, Freddie Gauthier, the, the guy's a face-off machine, and he's a penalty-killing machine. He had been out since the beginning of April, <clears throat> so they, you know, they did have time to adjust. But you know what? The regular season in the playoffs, as we know, are completely different animals. And man, Freddie—I mean, if they could have just got him back, you know, that would—I think that would have been a difference maker right there because the penalty kill would have been, you know, much better off with Freddie Gauthier in the lineup, and especially with a, an explosive team like Rochester is. But anyways, it's all over. Uh, but like I said, congratulations to the Comets on a great season. Congratulations to the Amherst. You won. You're moving on. You're playing the LaBall Rocket in the North Division Final, which starts tomorrow night, apparently. So, that's it. That's all I got to say about that for now. We're gonna. I think we're going to talk more about this next week. But We, we uh, can do go, Riggies. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I had to yeah, <laughs> well, that was... Yeah. I, I, you know I what? Before, before we go, we're already in trouble anyway. I know. We're I know. already in trouble. So but let's not get in too that deep. Was, that was the big battle. was uh, Chicken Riggies versus the Garbage Plate, right? The, the local cuisine in Rochester. Ah, man, I mean, you want to talk about just hockey? You have fan bases arguing about food. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, Here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. With every race, every qualifying run, and every pit stop, Tim Coffeen would feel the pressure and excitement. With his own podcast on the Sports History Network called Tim Coffeen Talks IndyCar and Racing History, Tim will share those very same racing emotions and memories with his listeners. Learn, laugh, and enjoy the world of IndyCar racing through the eyes of Tim Coffeen. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.